Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. It is Sunday, the 8th of January in the year 2023. And I hope wherever you are in Australia and around the world that this finds you well. It's been a huge, huge week in politics around the world, uh, but also right here at home. Two main stories I want to focus on today. One, very much an Australian story. The other, about global democracy. Of course, we couldn't be talking about global democracy without talking about Kevin McCarthy, the now elected Speaker of the US House of Representatives in the US Congress. 15 ballots it took for him to get the support of his own party to become Speaker. This is the most since pre-Civil War era. Now, now that is a phenomenal, phenomenal thing to think about. Here you have the Republican Party that has a slender majority, handful of seats majority in the lower house in the United States Congress. Now, normally, the party that has the majority simply uses that majority to elect the Speaker. Kevin McCarthy was the only candidate from the Republicans who wanted the job. He had put his hand up early on, and he was clearly a favourite to win. However, there was a small holdout that some Republicans themselves are calling the Taliban 20, such as being their opposition to Kevin McCarthy becoming Speaker, that they drew out this process for four days, 15 rounds of voting. Really unprecedented stuff. Not since the Civil War has it taken a majority that long to pick a speaker. We should keep in mind that the Republicans do have some form when it comes to the Speaker of the House. During the Trump era the Republicans rolled the Speaker of the House uh, not once, but twice. So the John Bonner resigned in 2015. Kevin McCarthy was initially a candidate then as well, but didn't uh, follow through with his candidacy when it became clear he wouldn't get the Conservatives. And, of course, Paul Ryan uh, was also... Uh, the Speaker of the House and did not seek re-election in 2018 uh, as the Republican Party moved towards its culture war footing. It's quite amazing to think that the Republicans, even with a small minority, believe that they can play personal petty games with the government of the United States. It's phenomenal. I saw a photo just yesterday where Marjorie Taylor Greene, the well-known Trumpist, was trying to pass her mobile phone, where you could clearly see the letters DT on it, to another Republican uh, representative, and reportedly the call was from Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump continues to exert influence over the Republican Party continues to prosecute 
these culture war ideologies. Cultural ideologies, which we've discussed on this show in the week on Wednesday, do not translate very well into Australia, where you have universal enfranchisement, sometimes called compulsory voting, and preferential, sometimes called ranked choice votes. But in America, where the aim of the game is to mobilise your base and demobilise your opponent, culture wars have proven somewhat successful in keeping what is effectively a minority, a minority of voices controlling the majority mechanisms of government. It's a very strange situation. And now McCarthy, with his fractured caucus, his own people, one of his own strategists has been quoted as saying, we are going to war against his own side, mind you, uh, has to somehow or another lead this group of people to pass laws. Now, they'll probably unite when it comes to trying to take down Joe Biden. They'll probably unite when it comes to trying to stop much of the Democratic agenda that was passed in the previous Congress. But the question is, will they unite when it truly matters? Can they put forward a cohesive, coherent, sensible set of policies to govern the most powerful nuclear nation on Earth? Or will they continue to be divided, childish, and, as one person put it, rebellious, even though they are in fact themselves the government? Because, as Van has said to me, the problem with these sorts of movements is they position themselves as being the outsiders. And so when they get the levers of power, when they take control of the government, they either don't know what to do or what they do is so chaotic and sometimes so corrupt that they create another movement of outsiders within their own ranks. Of course, the Democrats maintain discipline right across their caucus. So from the very far left with the squad and AOC to people who are sometimes called the blue dogs, those who have in the past voted with the Republicans, they all voted consistently for Hakeem Jeffries, the leader of the Democrats, to be Speaker. Of course, he didn't have a majority and was never able to get to a majority. But the Republicans are truly divided, while the Democrats at this stage seem very much united. So much, much more to come on this as the days, weeks and months unfold. And of course, this is the Congress that will take us to the next presidential election as well. So we can expect to see the kind of grandstanding and soapboxing that so often accompanies both the nomination process and the primary process and, of course, the election itself. Donald Trump, we know, has already announced that he will run to seek the Republican nomination again. There is, of course, lots of speculation about who else 
might nominate from the Republican side. Uh, we won't get into that now, but it'll be a very interesting couple of years. There will, of course, be here in Australia a state election in New South Wales much before then. You can check out our interview, our exclusive interview with Chris Minns, leader of the Labor Party in New South Wales that we did just before Christmas. Check out our back catalogue. It's there. Uh, he answers some very interesting questions about his policy priorities and what he wants New South Wales to be like should he become Premier. And of course, just in the last 24 hours or so, he's announced that they'll change the laws so that renters can have pets, just like we've done here in Victoria. An excellent and overdue uh, reform that frankly exists in most places around the world where if you rent, you can, of course, have pets uh, because most people who have pets do clean up after them. That's just the reality. We love our pets. Obviously, Germanicus is our dog. We love him very dearly. But the big story here today in Australia is Peter Dutton's press conference. Now, this was a very strange press conference. Clearly a man who is trying to get on the front foot after the summer break, who knows his numbers are in the toilet, who still can't really identify a constituency that wants or needs uh, his political party. He's issued an open letter to Anthony Albanese about The Voice, which of course Anthony Albanese has said The Voice referendum will happen in 2023 and hopefully will have occurred and be endorsed by the majority of Australians before the end of the year uh, and the legislation will be able to enter the House. Some say the, the vote could happen as soon as August. Now, Dutton has said there needs to be more detail and he's asked a series of questions. One of the problems that I have with Dutton's press conference. Let's focus first on the content, the, the, the meat of the matter. The Indigenous Voice has come out of a co-design report produced by a group that was appointed by former Indigenous Minister Ken Wyatt. This was a minister in the Morrison government. This was part of a 2019 election promise. This report was done over 18 months. There was consultations with nearly 9,500 people and organisations. Uh, 115 community consultations took place in 67 locations. There were nearly 3,000 submissions, nearly 1,200 surveys, 124 stakeholder meetings and 13 webinars. This was a very rigorous process. Marsha Langton has written in the Saturday paper about the voice uh, and how it will be structured. Uh, she has spoken at the National Press Club. She, of course, was one of the people uh, involved in the design uh, and in the process, along with another professor by the name of Tom Kalmer. There is an abundance of detail about how the voice would work. Uh, it would table formal advice in Parliament. Parliamentary Committee would consider that advice. Uh, there would be a, a co-design. The co-design report said it needed to be adequate, secure and long-term resourcing needed to be provided on a per-region basis. 
It suggested 24 members with a gender-balanced structure, members from each state, from the Northern Territory, the ACT, and the Torres Strait, members specifically appointed to represent remote areas, uh, and members would serve four-year terms. You can check out, The Guardian has an uh, an article called What is the Indigenous Voice to Parliament? How would it work? It's right there. I'd suggest that Peter Dutton have a read of that or at least go back over his old cabinet papers and have a look at the multiple reports that Ken Wyatt provided to the previous government that Peter Dutton was a minister in because most of his questions are answered there. This is a furphy. This is a furphy that continues to be propagated. It is part of what Van has told me (laughs) is described as polyphonic. Peter Dutton is trying to talk with multiple voices to different audiences at the same time. So what he's trying to say is that he's for reconciliation, but there's not enough detail. When in fact the detail is there, he's aware of the detail, he's had multiple meetings with the Prime Minister, he admits that. So he's trying to talk to the people who want there to be reconciliation, but also to the people who are concerned that the voice establishes some kind of third chamber or isn't detailed enough. At the same time, in his press conference, he says, and I'm going to quote this because this is a really bizarre thing to insert into a press conference statement about Indigenous voice, about a referendum, about what is a policy and political process. He says, and I quote, It breaks my heart that in the year 2022, we can have young Indigenous kids being sexually assaulted on a regular basis in some Indigenous communities in this country. It's completely unacceptable. And I don't know how this will help those kids. Now, there's no question that sexual assault against anyone is unacceptable. There's no question that in Indigenous communities, there are often higher rates of assault, often as a result of non-Indigenous people coming into those communities and behaving unacceptably. Putting aside the fact that it's now the year 2023, not 2022, Peter Dutton's strange comment is speaking to a far-right talking point that has been around for a long time. And it's the talking point that tries to instill in the mindset that Indigenous men in particular are violent, that Indigenous men in particular are unsafe to be around children that there is a problem with Indigenous men, that this is a sexualized problem, it's a violence problem, and that it's particularly about Indigenous men. Of course, you might remember that Bill Leake cartoon some years ago, which was almost the visual representation of Peter Dutton's words. Now, this is strange and out of place. It also has a touch of the QAnons about it. Anyone who's read Van's book, QAnon and On, A Short and Shocking History of Internet Conspiracy Cults, will be aware that the trope of sexual abuse against children is often used as a means 
of dismissing or counteracting or making people turn against progressive ideas. Somehow or another, the support of a progressive idea is endorsement of or acquiescence to some form of child abuse. Now, Peter Dutton doesn't make any of those connections in what he says, and that's part of the reason why it stands out so much. It's a very strange statement in an otherwise unremarkable uh, attempt to muddy the waters about the voice. It really stands out like a rock in this muddy pool. Here he is asking questions to which he already knows the answer, to which he can easily find the answer in an open letter, which hasn't actually been presented to the Prime Minister, where he acknowledges that he has had multiple meetings with Anthony Albanese to discuss the issue. Anthony Albanese has said that this is an attempt to undermine the process and, in fact, hasn't been presented with the letter. And then there's this statement, this strange statement, because what he's doing here is he's talking to a community of people who have believed either since that Bill Leake cartoon some years ago or before even that Bill Leake cartoon, that in Indigenous communities, the problem is Indigenous men. It's not the systemic discrimination. It's not the underinvestment. It's not non-Indigenous people coming to those communities and either undermining the communities themselves or committing some of these crimes, which we know they often do. So Peter Dutton is really still trying to walk this tightrope, this culture war tightrope, where he knows he can't be against the voice. The nationals, of course, have come out against the voice. They are dismissive of it. For some reason or another, they think that it's impossible to provide people with representation and a say on their own conditions and the policies that impact them at the same time as you propose new policies and create new policies uh, that have a material benefit for them. Uh, Somehow or another, the Nationals think those two things can't coexist. Uh, I think it speaks more to their inability to govern than it does the capacity of the Australian people to deal with two sets of complex issues at once. Dutton knows he can't go down that path. There are still too many Menzian seats that he has to win uh, if he ever wants to be Prime Minister. Menzian seats that he just has to keep, let alone win back from the Teals. So he has to have some, some form of liberal position. But this polyphonic approach, talking to multiple audiences at the same time, using different sections of a speech, none of this is accidental. Peter Dutton is many things, but he's not an accidental politician. He's been around a long time. He knows what he's doing. The people who are surrounding him are desperately trying to rebuild a liberal brand that is electable. At the same time, Peter Dutton's base fundamentally is very conservative. That small group of people who don't want a voice, that very small group of people who believe that the problems in Indigenous communities stem from the actions of Indigenous men are the kinds of people that Peter Dutton has relied on and his 
hard-right faction of the Liberal Party have relied on again and again and again to turn up, to hand out, to put forward their electoral success. But they are increasingly on the margins of Australian society. And there's no question that what's being proposed with The Voice is very, very clear. The detail is available. There will be more done over the coming months to help people engage with that detail. But the idea that Dutton needs these 15 questions answered and there should be legislation, you know, next week or next month so that it can be debated in the parliament while the referendum is still forming up is really about undermining the voice while at the same time saying he supports it. Peter Dutton's a clever politician. He's in a terrible position. As we discussed on the first episode of the week on Wednesday for 2023, the Menzian Compact is breaking apart. Dutton's party doesn't have a unified view. It doesn't have a unified worldview on almost anything. We can expect that there'll be more of this polyphonic speech, more of this talking to multiple audiences with different parts of the same speech or the same press conference. We can expect a reversion to type. But even when it comes to things like attacking unions, we know that the public doesn't buy the Dutton line. The general public understands that unions are a force for good, generally speaking, both at work and in the broader community, because people know that their friend, their neighbour, their parent, their brother, their sister, their uncle, their auntie are a member of a union and that the union has helped them. Speaking of which, if you worked over the Christmas period, the New Year period, if you worked on a public holiday, make sure you check your your, uh, wages, make sure you check your pay packet, check your pay slip. If you were entitled to get penalty rates, make sure you've got them. Don't forget to join your union. Go to australianunions.org.au slash wow, that's W-O-W. You can join online. You can get the information there that you need to make sure that you're getting paid properly uh, over that period and that you continue to get paid properly going forward. But you see, that liberal attack on workers and their unions doesn't have the same resonance that it did in the days of Howard and Peter Reith. So Dutton needs to find, needs to find a tightrope that he can walk. And this latest attempt to use the voice in such a crass way, with a little nod to QAnon, a little nod to the racists, pretends to the Menzians, in my view, I don't think it's going to work. And I think the more we call it out, the better and the stronger our democracy will be as a result. That's the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday, this Sunday, the 8th of January in the year 2023. Join me and Van on Wednesday when we will do in-depth analysis of two or three big stories for the week. And of course, you can book your tickets now 
for the week on Wednesday live at Adelaide Fringe. We'll be doing four shows at Adelaide Fringe all on Wednesdays. So get along. If you're not in Adelaide during that time, what a perfect time to visit Adelaide. It's a beautiful city. I've been there many times. Anne and I love it there. We love the people of South Australia. And of course, the great Labor State of South Australia. We look forward to being there for the Adelaide Fringe Festival in February and early March. Get your tickets. And don't forget, if you want to support the podcast, help us reach even more people. Uh, We came straight back into the top 20 with our first episode for 2023. You can check out our supporter page at buymeacoffee.com slash week on Wednesday. We, of course, email you all of our episodes and links to interesting stories about the topics we talk about as well. So until Wednesday, remember, be kind to yourself and to each other.